Matthew 28, we'll read verse 16 through 20. Amen. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. I hope you can put up with me for the next few weeks. I just feel the burden of it's time to go to the next level. It's time to get focused on what God wants you to be focused on. Amen. What I'm going to teach you about tonight, or what I'm going to teach on tonight, um, very essential, very important. And I got to tell you, doesn't matter what you think about what I'm telling you tonight. This is essential to your Christian walk. And if you don't get this part right, you're going to always struggle. If you don't get this part right, you're going to always find yourself like a roller coaster. If you don't get this part right, you're going to be lukewarm and thinking that you're a little bit hot. Got to get this part right. And so for the next few weeks on Thursdays, I will be delving into this subject. And two things is going to happen in the next few weeks. You're going to get tired of me and says, that's all he ever talked about. I need to find some place else to go. Or you're going to start doing what I'm telling you. Those are the two things that's going to happen. And because I know I'm talking about the will of God and the word of God. I'm going to be all right with whatever decision you make because it's important that we get this. It's important that we get this. So Matthew 28 verse 16 again, good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. Amen. Verse 16 says this, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am always, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so, I am going to talk to you tonight and probably for the next few weeks on this topic. Continuing the mission. Continuing the mission. That's what we'll talk about for the next few weeks. Either you're going to get involved with the mission or you're going to get tired of me and just not show up on Thursday nights. I'm serious. Three weeks ago, in our Bible study class, we talked about prayers God hears. Three weeks ago, we talked about prayers. God hears. And we say those prayers are prayers according to God's will. So we, 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 we identified the prayer that, that God hears. And we said prayers God hears is prayers according to his will. Oftentimes we pray however we want. 
And we could be off base because we're not praying according to God's will. So we talked about that three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we talked about prayers God hears again. But this time it wasn't just prayers according to his will, but also prayers according to need. And so we talked about that as well, that we must pray prayers according to God's will and prayers according to need that we have in our life. Last week, we talked about the expectancy of answered prayers. So we're praying prayers according to God's will. And we're praying prayers according to people's need or our need. Then we are praying prayers that God hears. If we're praying prayers according to God's will. And we're praying prayers according to need. God hear those prayers. You're assured that God hear those prayers. I gave you examples as we talked about prayers that God hears of prayers according to his will. One of the things we talked about that prayers according to God's will. We said that prayers according to God's will is that his people will be blessed. That all of you will be blessed. That is God's will that you will be blessed. And we said prayers according to need. We said we need God's mercy. We need salvation. We need truth. We need grace. And we went on and on and on. We need to have understanding of God's word. And we, we, we elaborated on that. Those are prayers. That God hears. And so we said if God hears those prayers, then we must expect that God will answer those prayers. If I'm praying his will and, I'm, and, and those are according to his will and according to need, God has to answer my prayers. I have to have an, expectant, an expectation that God will answer my prayers. You should have an expectation that God will answer your prayers if you pray according to those ways of how we talked about. And so, we looked at last week, we focused a little bit on prayers that was according to God's need and according to, I'm sorry, the, the prayers of expectation for God to answer those prayers. And we talked about Peter being in jail and how the church prayed. And as the church prayed, God sent an angel to take Peter from out of prison and deliver him. That was a prayer of need. Peter was in danger. And the church prayed. And God delivered him. But we said the issue with that was. They were praying but they didn't expect. To get an answer. They were just praying. Because they knew how to pray. Because when Peter came and knocked on the door. They were amazed. Oh my goodness. Peter's here. They didn't know. And so we have to have an expectation that God will answer our prayers if we pray the right prayers. So those were the last three weeks of teaching on Thursdays. Caught, got you caught up. And so now that we have, we are caught up. 
Let's go and look at the scriptures we just talked about. Let's look at the scriptures we just talked about. For the next few weeks, we will kind of deal with this subject. This subject of continuing the mission of Jesus Christ. The mission that he left for the disciples and the church and what we should be doing this day. All right. Let's look at Matthew 28, verse 16. Matthew 28, verse number 16. Continuing the mission is what we'll be talking about. Verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Who appointed them? Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Jesus appointed them to meet him someplace specific, didn't he? Mm-hmm. 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 The scripture we are reading or have read in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Those portions of scriptures are called the Great Commission. Those portions of scriptures are called the Great Commission. And so, the Great Commission is written in three of the Gospels. Not the same exact way, but in three of the Gospels, you will read the Great Commission. So, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, is one of the areas where the scripture is written. Then Mark chapter 16 Verse 15, I got to read it through 20, says it's the same thing just being explained by a different writer of the gospel. Same thing. Here's what he says in verse 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Great commission. Just like in Matthew. Luke 24 verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name among all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Those are the three areas in the gospel where we read about the great commission. The great commission. 
And we'll talk about why it's so great. Again, I started out by saying in verse 16, Jesus appointed them to meet him at a specific place. He says, I want you to meet me at this specific place in Galilee. And so he told them that and they met him there. I want you to realize something tonight. They had to go to the meeting place to receive the instructions. If Jesus told them to meet him at, at that mountain or on that mountain in Galilee and they didn't go, would they have received the instructions? Well, come on, we're going to interact in that. Okay. So they wouldn't have received the instruction from Jesus. And you know how it worked when we get the instruction from somebody else that was with Jesus, it might not be the same. I got proof of that. You want me to give you proof? Eve never got the instruction from God. Adam got the mouth-to-mouth instruction. Eve got it secondhand. What did she do? So when we get it secondhand, it's not the same. You ever went home from church and, and tell somebody about what happened in church and what was said and you just, you didn't get it out just right and, and they didn't receive it the way you received it when you received it? Secondhand information when God is trying to talk to you is no good. God wants to talk directly to you. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want somebody to deliver the message to you. He wants to talk directly to you. He knows when he wants to get someone to deliver the message. Right now, God wants to talk to you. So if you didn't make it to the meeting place, you wouldn't hear the instructions. But if you went, the commission says to go. If you want to receive instructions, you have to go to the meeting place. Now, for some of us that's been in church for a long time, we've been hearing it for a long time. You need to go to church when the doors are open. I'm saying that tonight, but I'm saying it so you understand it through the Bible. Because I don't want to give you something without not giving you context. So you realize, I am not trying to sway you or manipulate you or force you to do something. What I'm trying to do is bring it to your attention and compel you what God is saying to us. So God wanted to give his disciples instructions. He told them, meet me at this certain place. If you believe this is where God put you, then you need to meet him at this certain place. Because he wants to give you instructions. You don't meet him, you won't get instructions. And so here is what happened. We don't get instructions and we don't know sometimes God wants to tell us what is ahead of us. And and when God wants to tell us what's before us so we can understand it and begin to prepare for it, guess what? We don't show up. And the instruction is not there. So when you encounter your situation, you will not handle it right. Because you didn't show up for God to instruct you. And the thing about God is, if, if, he's, if he's organizing the meeting, you can't belittle it. Ah, oh, it's just Thursday night. Ah, uh, you know, we just teach on Thursday You're limiting what you see according to me. You can't limit your outlook and you can't limit yourself to what God can do in your life 
according to me. I'm just the man. But if you show up, God can do something supernatural in your life. Because he's saying, I put you in that church and on Thursdays, I call for Bible study at 7.30. On Sundays, I call for worship service at 10.30. On Saturdays, I call for prayer meeting. And you can do whatever you want to do. But what I'm telling you is, God has already established the days that he wants you to meet with him. Now, you and him can have something private going on in the morning, and that's great. But here is the deal. The church is the body of Christ. And for every church, God has direction for every church. And so when, when God is given instructions and you're not here to receive your instruction, what happened is you're not connected with what's going on and you just don't feel apart. You may not say it. But that's kind of what happens. And so God is calling the meetings. These are the meetings. And he's given instructions in these meetings. It's up to you if you show up to the meeting to receive your instructions. So God told the disciples where to meet. When to meet. And so here they come on the mountain in Galilee. And when they showed up. The Bible says in verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When they saw him. The next thing that happens when we meet at the meeting place, and we experience the presence of God, our response should be worship. We're not supposed to come to the meeting place and just sit, knowing that God has ordained for you to be here, and knowing, knowing that God's presence is here, because He's not going to call a meeting and don't show up. But what we do is we come and we've, we've become, you know, used to God's presence and, and we don't respond to God. But if God calls a meeting, He is there. And while they may have saw Him in person, we have to know by faith that He's here tonight. And He has called this meeting and He's ready to speak to us. And so when we know that, our response should be worship. Worship. The Bible says that they worship him. When they, when they, when they came into his presence, they worship him. This is going to hurt. Their worship signifies that they acknowledged him as Lord in their life. They worship signify that they're saying you are my king. Their worship is signifying that I know that you are God Almighty and you are my savior. Their worship is saying something about what they think about him. If God's presence is in the midst and you do nothing, it means that he's just not that important to you. It's not that big of a deal to you. It's just regular to you. And it's okay, but just understand that if God don't mean a whole lot to you, you ain't going to see a whole lot of God working in your life. That's how it works. So if we don't get it down pat, 
that when I walk into the meeting place, oh, the presence of the Lord is there because he called this meeting. He set up this meeting. And when we come into the presence, we just need to lift our hands. Jesus, uh, I just honor you and thank you tonight because uh, you called this meeting. uh, And I have great anticipation and great expectation that you're going to give me what I need uh, for tonight, uh, for tomorrow, for Saturday, uh, and for the rest of the week. I know you're going to give me what I need. uh, And so I have a great expectation and anticipation of what God's going to give me. Mm-hmm. But if I walk in and thinking this is just the firehouse, the training room at the firehouse, and uh, you know, he might say something pretty decent. We'll hear and see if I can get something out of it. If that's how I'm walking in, you're missing it because this is about God. This is not about this tangible place that you see. This is not about just us showing up and just learning something. Let me tell you, and I've been telling you, our world is fixed on knowledge, just obtaining information, and it's getting us no place. You can't treat God as, I'm just going to obtain, absorb some information. Yeah, I'm just going to get some information. They worship him. They saying, that's the Savior. That's the resurrected one. That's my Lord. That's my God. They knew it. So they went to the meeting place. Then when they came in contact with him, worship went out to him. Now, they were ready to receive. You see how that worked? You don't worship and praise God, you won't receive. Because you've got a hard heart, a hard ground. We gotta break up the followed ground. We gotta break up the hardness of our heart. Our heart is the ground and it's hard because of all the things we've experienced today at work or at school or just taking care of things at home, messing with the kids. Just life is challenging. So when we leave work, when we leave home, when we leave school, wherever we left to come here, we got to get this thing worked up. We got to plow it up a little bit. We have to prepare it. If not, nothing will change when we leave. Nothing will change. So they worship him, preparing himself. And as they worship him, He said to them, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Guess what he was doing? He was stating his qualification and letting them know he's almighty God. He was letting them know. They worship him and he let them know. All power. Your worship is not in vain. You're not just worshiping just anybody. You're worshiping the almighty God. Because all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, I want to think about this for a second. He said, all power is given unto me. What's all in the Greek? All. What's all in Latin? All. You keep on going with all the languages. All is all. So the question is, if Jesus said to his disciples, 
all power, this, this one for you, Luke, if all power is given to Jesus in heaven and in earth, who's got some power? Hmm? Who? No, he didn't tell you he had power. He said he's got all power. He's got all power in heaven and in earth. If Jesus has all power in heaven and in earth, who has power? If Jesus have all power, he didn't say some and somebody else got a little bit. He says he's got all power. Who else has power? Okay, y'all still... Say again. Okay, right. So if he has it all... Nobody has power. Is that, does that make sense? If he says, I have all power. So, if there was a God on the throne, and there was Jesus meeting with the disciples, and he got all power, how much power did God have? Hmm? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. But I can go back and talk about that. But my point is, at that time, when people was praying to God, what could God have done? Because Jesus got all power. Now, the only reason why he says all power is given is because that he had transformed from the spiritual being that was unseen into a man. So because he became a man, then it looked like there is some kind of transferring of here you go. But the bottom line is it was the almighty God that became a man. But I don't want to confuse you tonight. I want to make it clear. And all I want you to focus on is if Jesus has all power, who had power? And the answer is nobody. So if there was really a trinity about a God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, God the Father and God the Holy Ghost wouldn't have no power. That's my point. Right? So if there's really three separate co-equal God, when Jesus said, all power, it meant everybody that was praying to God the Father and everybody that was praying to God the Holy Ghost, they had no response from them because they had no power. Mm-hmm. We got to get that. We got to get that. Because what Jesus was doing when he met with them is letting them know, I am God. I am the one that's all powerful. But he made sure they understand, I've got all power. All authority. All authority. So he made sure he qualified himself and let them know, I've got all authority. So what I'm getting ready to say to you, I can say it. I can not just say it, but I can do it. Because I've got all power. So from now on, if you're trying to figure out if there's a God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, you got to stop and say, hold on. How is that possible when Jesus says he's got all power? And you can read back through the scripture. He never said that he gave some back to God. <laughs> so the bottom line is Jesus has all power. Don't miss that. And so he told him all power is given unto me in heaven 
and in earth. He's got all authority so he can do whatsoever he wants because he's got all authority. So the very next thing he said after he said that in verse 19 was go. That was the very next word. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The very next thing he said was go. You looking at it? Yeah, the very next thing he says, go. You know what go means? Go means to travel, to depart, to journey, to walk. Go don't mean be stationary. Go don't mean stay stuck right where you are. Go means to go, travel, depart, journey, walk, go, move. That's what go means. We're talking about the Great Commission. Understand why the Great Commission is the Great Commission. Because these were the final words Jesus Christ spoke before he ascended to heaven. These were the final instructions he was giving the, 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 the disciples to continue on. He's like, I'm out of here. For three and a half years, I was here with you, and I taught you. I was your example. I showed you what you need to do. Remember when Jesus came to Samaria and met the woman at the well? He met her at the well while his disciples went into the town to go buy food. He met her at the well. They weren't around. When they came back and saw him talking to the woman, trying to get her saved, they was like, why is he talking to her? We don't talk to those kind of people. Right? And Jesus said to them at that time when they was wondering what was going on, he says, my meat. I know you all went to the store to get some cookies and milk and some juice. I know you went to the store to get some goodies for the body so we can eat. But my food, my meat is to do the will of the Father, which was be a witness. That's the kind of example he was to them. So while they was running around worrying about their belly, Jesus was being a witness. That's the example he left them. He said... Being a witness is more important than the food you eat. That's what he was trying to show them. Go! The first instruction of the Great Commission is to get moving. Get going. Listen. When we come to church to the meeting place. It's not proper to say when we come to church. I don't want to get too technical, but just understand you are the church. We come to this meeting place. You are the church. We come here to meet where this is not the church. We come here to meet. So when he told them to go and they went for us, it's us coming here. We're here. If we come here. And we just do our thing when we come here and then we leave and go back to our normal life of what we normally do. We defeated the purpose of coming. Why? Because this is where he's giving you instructions. So when you get instructions, what are you going to do with the instructions? 
So if we just come here to meet and we worship and we praise God and okay, man, that, 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 that word sounded like it was right on point and that's cool. And we leave here and we just go back to cooking. We just go back to working our jobs. We just go back to taking care of our children. We just go back to just, you know, doing what we normally do. If we just go back to that, we have defeated the purpose of why we came to church. You got quiet on me. Because what God is bringing us to the meeting place for is to instruct us. He's trying to speak to us. He's got a great mission that he's trying to accomplish. And he needs me and you and everybody that will respond to the word of God. He needs us. And so if we come and we get instructions and we leave and do nothing with it, God is just like, you got to be kidding me. I'm using the preacher preacher's heart out so they can get going. He getting tired. I'm not getting nothing accomplished. And they just leave feeling like they did their duty today. That, that, that's what he's saying. Dude go home tired because I, 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 I put it in him and tell him preach it. And so he goes home tired. I'm disappointed because the people I'm trying to reach, nobody's helping me. And so we just keep the cycle going just like this. And he's like, are you kidding me? And then we cause him to say, all right, I guess I'll just let that situation come up in your life. I see what the devil is trying to do to them. I could have stopped it, but what's the sense of stopping it? Maybe if I don't stop, not maybe because he knows exactly what's going on. Well, I'm not going to stop that one this time because it's going to get their attention. Go back in scripture. God always got our attention. When we decide to go do whatever we want to do. He says, you want to go do what you want? Okay. 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 I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go into slavery for 400 years. That's what you want? Go ahead. Okay, go. And he let Israel go into slavery for 400 years because they felt like it was better to do their own thing than obey God. Cain became a wanderer. And was always on the move, a vagabond, had no place, just always on the move. Cain became that because he decided, I'm not giving the sacrifice you want. When are we going to learn this thing that it's easier to do what God wants than to just do what we want? Because whatever we want is going to always put us in a bind at some point in time. It always does. Listen, what did I say to you yesterday, uh, Brother Tom? I said, history Always repeat itself, except for when we study history and do something so it don't repeat itself. You know, we always say history repeats itself. Yeah, you know why? Because we don't do nothing about it. So a lot of things that didn't go right in the past, it keeps coming up in the future and not going right. But that only happens because we didn't look at the history of what happened and says, you know what? That's, that's not what God intended. But because the people wouldn't listen, they were hard and hearted. That's what happened to them. So you know what? I see the situation and I'm going to make sure I do what God wants me to do so we don't have to go through that. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. So when history keeps re- repeating itself, it's because we're not applying wisdom. We look at stuff and just let it keep on happening. Keep on happening. Keep on happening. And that's not God's intention. 
for these things to just keep on happening to us, for us to keep on struggling, for us to keep on going through the same ups and downs, struggling with the same sins, uh, struggling with praying, uh, struggling with reading our Bible. God's intention is not for that to happen to us, but if we can consume with what we want, those things are going to start happening to us. Can't read your Bible. Can't pray. Come to church whenever you, whenever it's convenient. You ever notice we come to church? This used to happen in the restaurant business too. I don't, I don't know how we do it. I guess it's just how we are. When it's rainy, when it's kind of cold, even when it's snowing sometimes, we would rather go to church those times than when we have a nice 68, 70 degrees sun just shining, beaming down. You ever notice that? I notice it because I pay attention to all the stuff. So when it's 70 degrees, sun shining, and it's not hot, not cold, eh, I'll pass on church today. I'll pass, I'll pass on Bible study tonight. But let it be dreary. Yeah, let me go to church. I don't have nothing better to do anyway. All I was going to do was lay in the bed and watch TV. So you give God your stuff when it's just convenient enough. Not when it's inconvenient. I hate to use myself as an example, but for just this sake, I've told you this before. On Bible study days for the past 20 years, and there was, there was, there was a time where it was two times a week, I get dressed in the morning for church. I wake up in the morning. Matter of fact, before I go to bed that night, I size up the clothes I'm wearing the next day. Because I realize when I leave work, I'm going to church. So I get dressed in the morning. These shoes ain't comfortable. I thought they was when I bought them. But about 2 o'clock today, ah, they didn't feel comfortable. I said, oof. Yeah, 2 o'clock today. Didn't, they didn't feel comfortable today about 2 o'clock. I'm sitting at my desk. I'm like, this don't feel good today. But I got dressed this morning at 8.30, a little before that, saying, church tonight. Church tonight. And so, I'm going to have had these shoes on from like 8.15 in the morning till whatever time I get home tonight. You think that's comfortable? You tell me. And I, ain't got, and I can say this, and it has nothing to do with it because I'm the preacher. I've been doing it for 20 years, I said. You don't think it's true? Talk to the lady in the gold over there. I've been doing this just like this for 20 years. I get dressed in the morning because I know church that night. I'd rather suffer the things of God than suffer the things of self. That's just how I feel. Ask Moses. That's what he said. Moses says, I'd rather suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures that Pharaoh can give to me. I don't know about you, but if Moses is saying it, it must mean something. So the little struggles and the suffering you think you're going through when you sacrifice for God, I think you might want to just go with that. Because when you go on your own, mm. Cain should have just been like, you know what, let me just give the sacrifice to God. And his life would have been totally different. But he let one little sacrifice cause him to just change the whole course of his life. All they had to do was just give the sacrifice. 
The Great Commission command that we venture and go. So here's what God is telling us. Go! Anybody in here go to the mall? Put my hand up. Nobody don't want to join me? Okay, all right. Twice this week? Okay. Yeah, I've been twice too. I had to get cards. I had to get graduation cards. I got to get all kinds of stuff going on this time of the year. So we go to the mall. Anybody go to the supermarket to buy food? Anybody go to work? Yeah. School? Yeah. How did you do that? How did you do that? You go. Exactly. It sounds simple. It's not a trick question. You win. You go. Well, when God told them to go, he didn't tell them to go to the mall. He wasn't telling them to go to the supermarket. He wasn't telling them to go to school. He wasn't telling them to go to work. He was telling them to go for his purpose. And what I'm here to tell you tonight is God wants you to go for his purpose. You go for yourself. Why can't you go for Jesus? So let me work with that a little bit. If God is telling us to go, we need to go. Some days you got to go to the mall not to buy anything. Still look at the clothes, still look at the shoes, try them on, do whatever. But just know that you have in mind that this is not why I'm here today. I'm going because Jesus says I need to go. That's why I'm going. So some days you just got to wake up and says, or after you get off work, I'm just going to stroll through the mall. I got a mall thing now, but I realized how it happened. I like to watch people. I like to figure out how to reach people. And so going to the mall is a good training ground for me. I go to the mall, I watch people all day, every day. So that's what the new thing is. Okay. So that's where they like to go. Okay. You learn what kind of people go to what kind of stores. Yesterday I went to the mall to go get um, a card. And I need to use the bathroom. And Lord and Taylor's don't have a bathroom anywhere around here. I don't know where it is. If it is, I just could never find it. So I never go to the bathroom with Lord and Taylor. Yeah, I don't have time to go upstairs. She says upstairs. She knows. She must have used it. But, but, but Lord and Taylor just never seem to have a convenient bathroom. So I always use Cheesecake Factory bathroom. That's same floor. Boom, 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 boom. Nobody asks you no questions. Just go right in the bathroom. Boom, 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 boom. It's done. So I went to buy the car, but I had to use the bathroom. So I went to use the bathroom. Went in the bathroom. As soon as I was done blowing my hands, a dude walked into the bathroom and says, Wayne. I said, Peanut. His name Peanut. As a matter of fact, I didn't even say Peanut. Nut! Because that's what we call him, Nut. You know, his name was Peanut, but we just Nut. Because when you know people good, you call him Nut. So Nut walked in. I said, what are you doing here, Nut? He says, man, I'm celebrating my granddaughter's birthday. She's 12. And, you know, he says, matter of fact, everybody out there. Somebody from my past. I went out there. Man, I saw May Willie. I saw Tierra. I saw Sonia. I saw Tracy. I saw all these people. I said, this, this is crazy. So I, I'm greeting everybody. I haven't seen me in a while. And we're talking about, you know, sometimes we see each other on Facebook. But when it was time to go, I took out my wallet. I said, I got one more thing to tell y'all before I go. And every one of them got a business card. Wayne, 
You a preacher? That's how long they haven't seen me. <laughs> Listen, I've been preaching for what? I don't know, 16 years. Wayne, you a preacher? Just come visit one day. Because when I go to malls and supermarkets and all those places, I'm splitting the time with Jesus. Yes, I'm splitting the time with Jesus. I mean, I felt so good leaving yesterday. I said, yep, split the time with Jesus. Because I was able to talk to 12 people and tell them about Jesus and gave them cards. Then I went upstairs and I spent more time at the table than I spent with getting the cards. I felt real good because I want Jesus to get more time than I get. <laughs> you following me? So he says, go. Great commission. He's telling them to go. All of us, listen, you all know that I'm a door knocker. I go and knock on people's door. I can go knock on any door and just be ready to talk. It's just, I, I can't help that. It's just me. That's not everybody. So I don't, I don't encourage everybody to do that. But if you can do it, I want you to do it. But I'll go knock on any door and it doesn't matter who comes out. The president of the United States can come out and I, I, I'm ready for him. No matter who comes out, I'm ready. But everybody can't do that. So when, when he told them to go, he told them was to go to different places. He told them what to go to different places. And so, you need to go. Doesn't matter where you go, just go where people are. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. Just go where people are and go with the intention of saying, I'm going to be a witness today. I'm going to make you all feel bad tonight. But hopefully you, you'll get it before you leave. Who's got a business card in here of the church? Don't let me put you on the spot because I'll ask you if you got one. Show it to me. Who's got a business card? One, two. You only got one probably. Talking about bow. I should be You got to load up every time. Listen, I gave out all mine yesterday, and I got a little stat back in my wallet. I put a stat back. You see that? Okay. Just one. You keep saying one, one, one. I know we won this, but he keeps saying one. We won this. I know we won this, but one, one, one. <laughs> all right. But that's the first thing you got to have. You can't go any place without it. And you know what's great about our business cards? It says you're invited. I know, Jordan. I, I know I got you. Jordan, take them to school. I, I know. I know, bro. I'm not leaving you out. I know. I know. He got to show his hand like I take the school. Okay, I got you, bro. But we have to go and always be ready to give someone a card or give them some kind of uh, invitation or just let them know about Jesus. So we have to go. And so I don't want you all to, 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 to feel like the only time you can go is to go knock on somebody's door. If you can, come on with me. But if you can't, still go. Don't get paralyzed because you say, I can't knock on doors, so that means I just won't go. No, everybody needs to go. He didn't tell some of us to go. Everybody needs to go. And so whether it's to the, the go get some shoes, the, the, the supermarket to buy food, the mall, wherever you go, you have to go with the intention of, I need to invite somebody to church. 
those of you that are in the, 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 the college classes, the Bible classes that we've been taking, you know, they said, what is it? 85% or 90% of people that don't go to church, why don't they go? They never got invited. That's a high number. 85 to 90% of people that never went to church is because they were never invited? So the bottom line is, we need to go. You can't stay still and accomplish this great commission. If all we do is come to church and go home and we don't go any place for Jesus, it means that we're not a part of the great commission. We're just doing what we want to do. And sooner or later, God's going to allow some mess to come up in your life. I'm just telling y'all go. And you're going to start crying. Lord, what's going on? We need to continue the mission. The next thing he said to them after he says go. He said to them, teach. Go. Teach. That word in the Greek, teach, means to make disciples. Make disciples. A disciple is a student, a learner, or a pupil. In the Bible, the word is used most often to refer to a follower of Jesus Christ. So here is knowledge again. You can call yourself a disciple if you don't feel like calling yourself a Christian. As a matter of fact, it's probably a whole lot safer to call yourself a disciple than a Christian. Anybody have any problem with what I just said? You are a disciple if you're following Christ. And so we become comfortable with the word Christian, and it's in the Bible. But you'll find the word disciple in the Bible a whole lot more than Christian. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we are commanded to help people become followers of Jesus Christ, students of Jesus Christ, a learner of Jesus Christ, a pupil of Jesus Christ. When it says go and teach, it's saying go and make disciples. All right, I know, I know what you're thinking right now. I don't know if I can do that. I'm going to give you a way out because that's how the Lord works. The big question is this. How can we get people to follow Christ? Because really that's all we're trying to do. Because if you are a follower of Christ... You are a disciple of Christ. Your goal when you go is to get people to follow Christ. So they too can become a disciple of Christ. Unfortunately, there are some people that go and they get people to follow them and not Christ. But what Christ is asking us to do is to go and try to get people to follow him. But... Here's the big thing. If you are supposed to be helping Christ, or you're supposed to be helping people to know Christ, and you don't know Christ, that ain't going to work. 
If you're supposed to be getting people to know Christ and you don't know Christ, you can't help nobody get Christ. That's really our big issue that we're facing and we don't realize it. This is why people don't realize I talk about who Jesus is all the time. Because you can't get people to follow a Jesus that they don't know and you don't know. So it's, it's only when you come to know. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, just having a, 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 a shallow knowledge of who God is. You gotta know who He is. Because when you know who He is, you speak to people with conviction. But if you're just casual with God, you can't be a good witness for God. Because you're gonna witness casually. But when you know God and you have a real deep intimate relationship with God, when you begin to open your mouth, you will wonder where did that come from? Well, it comes from the depths of your soul because you know Him, you've experienced Him, and you have just, 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 just understood what His teachings are all about. The amen's getting a few on me now. But if you're going to Go, you need to know who Christ is for yourself so you can be able to get somebody to know him for themselves as well. I'm almost there. It's important that we come to the knowledge of who he is. Now, if you don't know who Christ is like you need to know, it's a way out. Where's the business card? The business card is the way out. Yeah. So when, when you meet people and, and, and there could have been an opportunity to explain to them so they can start following him, but because you don't know, you can slip them a business card and invite them to church. So I'd like for you to come and visit our church. Because when they come, somebody will be able to teach them about Christ. So we got it all covered. Now, let me say this. How do you get them to follow Christ? That intimidated you. Because I, I watched how you started responding. And when I say the, our job as we go is to get people to follow Christ, the amens went down. The first thing I'm going to tell you, the easiest way. Is to just have them follow you. <laughs> you. You didn't realize it was that easy, huh? But the problem is, are you following Christ? I know I'm calling you out a little bit tonight, but this is the challenge that we're up against. Here, here's why I got to teach this and keep teaching. Not only that, we got to help the Lord with what He's doing to bring people in the kingdom. People are dying spiritually, and y'all don't have the answer. People are dying, and guess what people are saying to me? How do I get it together? Well, I'm telling you how to get it together. There is no better way to grow spiritually than to follow the Great Commission. And people are dying spiritually. People are just dropping out and says, ah, and they're looking for an easy way. And there is no easy way to follow up the Christ. You go through scripture and see who had it easy following Christ. 
And the reason why you'll never have it easy because this world is not your home. You are stranger and pilgrims in this world. You are a citizen of heaven and not this world. So if you try to live as a citizen of heaven in this world that you don't belong to, it will be a struggle. So wanting it to be easy will never happen. Here is the story and the truth. If you want to live easy, what you're saying is, I'm just going to enjoy this life and just go where I shouldn't be going. If you want easy. Didn't I just read to you Sunday that he says he's going to spew the lukewarm people out of his mouth? Well, lukewarmness is easiness. So as long as you want it easy, you are giving up on heaven and automatically you're just going to say, I'll just embrace hell. We want this thing to be easy, but I'm sorry to tell you, it's not going to be easy until you sell out to it. When you sell out to it, it becomes easy. Because there's nothing else to do but to do it. But as long as you are making decisions on what you should or shouldn't, uh, you're going to find yourself in some jams every once in a while. I'll wake up on Thursdays and say, um, do I have a good reason to not go there tonight? I don't wake up on Thursdays and say that. When I used to be, have to be in church on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I didn't wake up asking that question. I didn't look for an excuse not to go. And I'm going to be straightforward with you. And there were some days that there were just things that was going on that I said, I'm just uncomfortable going to church. And I still went, Brother D, and sat right in the front row like you sit in the front row. And there was days where I'm just like, oh. But I sat, I went anyway and sat in the front row. Because when I decided to sell out, that meant that there was no option for me. And that's what sell out means. You don't have an option. You can't make a decision on should you or shouldn't you. There's no decision about that. That decision is out of your hands. To go to church and not go, that decision is not in my hand anymore. Nobody can come to me and say, are you going to go? It's not in my hands. I don't have control of that anymore. It's a done deal. Sold out of Jesus. That don't mean that you're the best Christian in the world. It just means you're giving yourself every possible opportunity to live right and stay right. That's what it means. You, will, you, don't, you don't understand how much it means for you when no matter what you keep going to church. We have no idea what it does for us that no matter how bad the day was, no matter how much things are just, just crazy in my life, I'm just going anyhow. Because it means more to you. It's doing something in your life that you can't always see. So he says that we need to teach. And what you have to do is get people to follow you. The easiest way to disciple people back in the day was this. Won't you come to church with me? You don't even let them drive, even if they got a car. Because they're following you as you follow Christ. I'm not even going to let them drive. When they get real good, maybe they'll start saying, you want me to drive tonight? 
But for the first few weeks, maybe even months, come on, come on, come on. And when they come, they watching you. How much do you clap? When they come, they're watching you. Do you get involved in the service? When they come, they're watching you how you live for God because they will do the same thing that you do. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul said. So that's nothing wrong with that. That's the easiest way to disciple people. It's just have them follow you around. Now, if you're real good and you understand the word of God real good and you're sharp, then you can teach home Bible studies. So they'll be following you and you'll be teaching them home Bible studies. We'll talk about home Bible studies later on when we go down the line. But you can teach them home Bible studies if you feel comfortable with that. If you feel like you understand the word of God and, 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 and you can explain the word of God. If you're a good reader. You comprehend well. You can teach home Bible studies. Once they get to know who Jesus is, the Bible says they need to be baptized. For some of you that's been living for God for a long time, you see how you messed it up for a long time? You, you were telling people they need to get baptized before you told them about Jesus. Before they knew anything about Jesus, you thought they needed to get baptized. And that's why so many people today are struggling with living for God. Because they never come to the knowledge of knowing who Jesus is. I'm telling you, if we can ever explain Jesus the right way, we will see the percentage of people that backslide will go way, way down. Because when you know who Jesus is, it's, you can't give up. When you know what Jesus has done for you, you can't give up. When you know how powerful he is, you can't give up. But oftentimes, we're telling people about salvation before we tell them about Jesus. And so they get into this looking for some better roses, good life. And, and when they start struggling, they quit because they never got to know Jesus. The scripture says that we must go. Whoa, let me start all over. The scripture says Come assemble yourself in the meeting place. Then the scripture says, after you assemble yourself in the meeting place, make sure there's worship going on when you come to that meeting place. When you give worship to him, then he will instruct you through his word. When he instructs you in the word, then now you got to go. When you go, you got to start looking and seeing who you can reach out to. When you get to reach out to somebody, you was able to strike up a little conversation. Let me tell you this. Mm, so much stuff to tell you. Here's what happened to us, and we got to get away from this. When what I'm teaching you is what the early church did. That's how that's how they evangelized. That's how that's how the church grew. And what started happening is. We messed up the church, mankind, because we're always messing something up. We deviated from the pattern. And what the pattern started being was big buildings, big edifices, and the preacher becoming famous. That's what messed the church up. We stopped doing this, and now we started focusing on big buildings and the preacher being famous. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. 
Because what happened is and what we're experiencing today, to do this, it takes relationship. The other way we started doing it, big buildings and the preacher being famous, didn't need no relationships. So as time started changing and we started backing up from real intimacy with one another, house to house, breaking bread, fellowship, as time was changing and we got away from that, we started going to the building and saying, look at our nice building. We started going to the building and saying, we've got a big church. And then all of a sudden the pastor became the big time pastor with a big name. And guess what? They started separating the pastor from the People, they says the pastor, the, 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 the preachers, they're the clergy and the people are the laity. Separation. When all along this was about brother and sister. This is why I don't have no problem if somebody says, oh brother Wayne, how are you? And not call me pastor. Because really that pastor stuff and all the titles started separating the church. That's what happened. It was easier to stop being relational. The church boomed and grew when there was relationship. Because when you got to minister to somebody, you have to talk to somebody. You have to invite somebody to church. You have to go out to lunch with them. You have to spend time with them. You have to go pick them up. You got to go wait for them. Sometimes you're saying, man, don't they know I'm coming at 7.15? Why are they not ready yet? And they get in the car. You got to smile like you have no attitude because you're trying to get them to follow Christ. That's what we used to do. But now... All we want to do is say, I go to this church. You don't know this church? And they say the name of the church. Oh, you don't know our pastor? His name's so-and-so. We messed it up. We messed up the pattern. That's not what Jesus gave them at the beginning. And so today, we are struggling because we don't want no relationship. We don't want to be close to nobody. And we want to be able to brag to the next person that's bragging to us about the big church we go to and who our pastor name is. It, it amazes you when I go around people. Only thing they want to know is who, who, who your pastor. It's about the man or the woman that's preaching. It's not about saving people's life. Who your pastor? What church you go to? They messed up the pattern, and so because we messed up the pattern, people eventually. Hey, Listen, every time we try to do, go outside of what God said, we're going to pay. So we messed up the pattern, and you know, what it, you know what it did to us? We became lukewarm Christians because we messed up the pattern. We became lukewarm Christians. We messed up the pattern. When you have somebody at any time that can call you up and say, Hey, Brother Scarlett, I was reading the, 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 I was reading the scripture where it says, um, go ye therefore into all nations and, you know, and, and they're talking about that stuff. What does that mean? You know what that do? That keep you on your toes. And like we've learned in class, if they ask you a question and you don't know it, don't make up an answer. Just say you don't know and go study it. Go ask somebody about it. But don't make up an answer. But what I'm trying to tell you is what I'm teaching tonight seems hard. Because this was in the works a long time ago because we got, we, we didn't want to have relationship and we got our, we find ourselves in big buildings and big preacher names. You the laity, 
and, 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 and the preacher is the clergy. And then they get positions in church and sooner or later you want to move up to say, look at me. And now we find people struggling because guess what? Everybody's striving to stand behind the pulpit because that's what, that, that says that you are somebody special because we separated it and made it be pastor and laity. When we all one and we just Christians, at the end of the day, we're Christians. Pastors are not going to make it to heaven because all they're doing is pastoring. They're not being Christians. They're just pastoring. You can keep pastoring all. I don't want pastoring. I've been uncomfortable with, with, with pastor for ever. People have called me pastor way before I started pastoring. I always was uncomfortable with that because I don't want to be known for a title. I want to be known for my relationship with God and with people. That's it. I don't need titles. Relationship with God and people. That's what I want to be known for. That's how it was. I don't read anywhere where Paul and Peter call themselves Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He said Paul. And the only time he used the title is to let you know how he's serving God. The title was used to know I'm a servant. So he said go. He said teach, in which we learn that teaching means to make disciples. Then he says baptizing them. Now I gotta finish this up. So give me ten minutes and I'm done. So he says baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. If the Bible says that we need to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, why y'all didn't get baptized in the name of the Father and the Son? And the Holy Ghost. Anybody? Not you, Brother Henry. Anybody? Why didn't you get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? When the scripture says, baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Huh? That is what? Yeah. But you got baptized in the name of Jesus. It didn't say that in that scripture. It says baptizing in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Why you got baptized in Jesus' name? Huh? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, first thing I'm going to tell you is, y'all trying. I appreciate y'all trying. Y- y'all look nervous. But I'm asking these because I want you to be good disciples of Christ. So it says, go ye teaching and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's what it said, right? If you baptize someone in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you disobeyed the scripture. 
<laughs> no. Why did you why did you disobey the scripture when it says go baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? And if you did that, you disobeyed the scripture. Right. So that's not completely it though. That's secondary. But what I want you to know first is you are a professor, teacher. The Bible says Go ye therefore and baptize them in the name singular. It couldn't be a correct statement if it meant three. It would have said names. Oh, come on. Y'all getting smart now. That's what I'm getting at. I want you to know these things. I'm not glossing over anything anymore. If, if, if. If, if, if we got baptized in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, we disobeyed that scripture. Because that scripture said baptized in the name, singular, singular. What is the name of the Father? What is the name of the Son? What is the name of the Holy Ghost? Tradition is one. And sometimes they can't see it because they don't have the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of people that's smart, that they can read, but the, the, the equalizer is having the Holy Ghost. And when you have the Holy Ghost and you desire to know truth, oh yeah, you'll know. But if you don't have the Holy Ghost and you don't want truth, because some people have the Holy Ghost, but they're tradition and they don't want truth. Because what happens is, some preacher, if they ever agree to that, you know what that means to them? They've been preaching for 30, 40, 50 years. And they've been preaching how to get baptized the wrong way. And now they get the revelation and they're going to have to change. They're going to have to live the rest of their life saying, well, what about all those people I baptized in the titles? What's going to happen to them? They're going to be miserable. So they just prefer to stay stuck in their tradition and die in their tradition. Yes, ma'am. There are some people that came among the apostolics that never really bought into this. Yes, just just this teaching. This, they, they came and became apostolic. Well, they didn't become apostolic. They came and they were among us, but they didn't really agree with all of it. And they never said anything. Because who was they going to talk to if they didn't agree with it? So there are people that came into an apostolic church and they didn't, why we got to do that? That's not necessary. That's, that's just too much. And that don't make sense. They felt that way, but they couldn't say it. Who are they going to say it to? But if they picked up, if the antennas had picked up on somebody that was kind of, they joined together and they were having their own little meeting. Yeah, because I don't see why we got to do that. And sooner or later, they leave the church because they never really bought into it. 
they didn't think it was necessary, but they couldn't say it to other people because all the other people said, yeah, we love this thing. And they were like, I don't know why we got this. So for him, no. No. I don't, th- I don't know, I don't, I can't say it's unfair because I'm, he really didn't buy into it. No, he didn't buy into it. Yeah, but he didn't buy into it. He just did it. He just did it just to fit in. How many people I've seen, listen, here's a big mistake that preacher used to make back in the day. If I don't put her in ministry, she's going to leave the church. She gonna leave the church anyway. But they still did it anyhow. They put them in, in the choir. You go in the choir because they think that they're gonna commit. No, their heart is messed up and they don't believe this. They don't want this and they think it's too much. That's what it was. And so they show their true colors after a while. They hid it for a little bit, but they showed their true colors after a while. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost, it meant that you go and baptize them in Jesus' name because that's how the text was written. Singular. Singular. Never forget that. It says in the name. So when anyone step up to you and they say, well, why are you not doing this? The first thing you're going to say is read that sentence properly. If it said names, then you would have to baptize them in the Father, the Son. and the, But it said, name. Yes, ma'am. Well, that's the second thing I'm getting to. So, to prove that, everybody that got baptized, got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I get so deep on people sometimes, I said, listen... There was two baptisms in the Bible. Don't, 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 don't. Before Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist was baptizing people in the baptism of repentance. So there was nobody ever baptized in Father, Son, Holy Ghost. So I feel bad for all of these people that got baptized in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Because nobody in the Bible, nobody was ever baptized in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. When you find it, I will stop preaching. But people was baptizing John the Baptist. This is why in Acts chapter 19, you can go check me on it, that the, 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 the Bible talked about when Paul met the disciples of John, those that were baptized in the baptism of John, Paul says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you got baptized in that baptism, since you believe? And they said, man, we don't even know about no Holy Ghost. And Paul says, well, yeah, John baptized you with the baptism of repentance, but, but you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And when they got baptized in the name of Jesus, Paul prayed for them and they received the Holy Ghost. Boom. So the bottom line is, 
There was only two baptisms in the Bible. One was the precursor to Jesus coming on the scene. And when Jesus came on the scene and explained to them how it needs to be executed, they got rebaptized. Yes, sir. Yes. 